This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Fourth, be with you on a very special edition of Real Talk. It's Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks oh, in yeah. studio. Uh, and coming up in just a second, an interview that we have been uh, looking forward to for quite some time how the force can fix the world. Me so excited for the show oh, today, Ryan. <laughs> maybe not just the worst character in Star Wars history. But maybe the worst movie character of all time. All Jar time, Jar you think? What do you? you where, is is George R. Binks your guy? I don't know. He he was cute for the kids <laughs> when he came out. But yeah, he's pretty bad. <laughs> that was a pretty good impression, though. It was okay. Misa, yeah. Misa, excited. <laughs> <laughs> Should we maybe try this on for size and just see how many people stick with us past the first two minutes to hear Stephen Kent? I'll look forward to that. Fear is the path to the dark side. <laughs> Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. (laughs) We want to play the real quotes, but we'll get shut down by the algorithm for copyright violations. So, So real talkers today, all through the show, John and I will be bringing you our best Star Wars impressions. We promise, actually, that's not going to happen. But just uh, a minute from now. We actually are going to talk about the lessons that we can take on life and liberty and happiness from a galaxy far, far away. This show talks about news and politics and pop culture, and we we, we lock horns with politicians and we grapple with real-life pressing issues, but that doesn't mean on a fun day like this, a day when really serious people kind of roll their eyes because us geeks and nerds kind of indulge our pleasures and and talk about Star Wars and find storylines. You know who's more pissed off about this day than anybody else probably john is the the big star trek fans because they don't get their own day they don't get their own day like the star wars fans do but here's the deal we don't have to leave political or real life or hard or pressing issues on the back burner today just because we're talking about star wars and the force as a matter of fact that's the entire point of Stephen Kent's book. So we're going to get to that. It's also Mental Health Week. And last week, we talked about an issue that researchers at Athabasca University have have determined. And and they're not the only ones that are paying attention to the impact of climate change or reporting on climate change or talk about climate change and the impact it's having on young people's mental health. Well, a fellow by the name of John Whidden did something about it. He was a teacher for a long time, for like 25 years. Now he's working for CPAWS. You know them, the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. He's an environmental educator, and he figured that this was an area where he could have an impact, where he could impact positive change, if you will. So he's going to tell us what he's doing and why he's doing it. That's coming up on this Thursday edition of the show, which is presented by our friends at Rello. And we want to tell you a bit about Rello here. If you are a, you know, if you know a real estate agent, you know, for example, or maybe somebody who would be looked to get into real estate, what a great career opportunity. Rello is holding a career day right here in Alberta's capital city in Edmonton this weekend. Rello.ca is real estate licensing online. For the bold and ambitious who know that time waits for no one and neither does success, those who want to take the 
leap into entrepreneurship and become a real estate agent, this is the way to go. Rello has reimagined pre-licensing education. At Rello, real estate isn't just one course in the catalog. This is their specialty. Modern graphics, practice tips, topical webinars, free practice exams, a career in real estate starts at Rello.ca. Well, we're living in a time of unprecedented and rapid change. Uh, Some would call it an age of chaos. Democracies are in a decline worldwide. Uh, Dictators are ascendant. Civic organizations, many of them crumbling. People feel lonelier. People say that they feel more rudderless than at any other time in recent history. We've tried to slow down. And in some cases, like Anakin Skywalker... We've tried to stop change, but we've failed at every turn. The fear that comes with living in an age of disruption has produced public anger. The anger has swelled to fuel movements of hate. You're probably thinking of some vivid pictures in your mind as I say this. Author Stephen Kent believes that part of the solution is hiding in plain sight. It's Star Wars. That's right. He's a political commentator. He's a Star Wars enthusiast, and he's author of How the Force Can Fix the World, Lessons on Life, Liberty, and Happiness from a Galaxy Far, Far Away. What a pleasure to welcome Stephen Kett to the show. A very happy May the 4th to you, my friend, and thanks for joining us this morning. Happy May 4th to you as well, and a, a killer Yoda impression on your part. <laughs> Frank Frank Oz uh, has no chance at a job now. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a, it's a very short list of movie characters that I, that I would even attempt to emulate, but I've always loved Yoda. So even as a kid, I mean, I, I can envision my cousin Andrew's basement and sitting. Oh, look at this. You've got like the bust of Yoda on your desk. That's oh, yes, incredible. Yes. Sitting in my right cousin next, Andrew's right next basement. to Marcus Aurelius. Oh, yeah. Know, Marcus Aurelius. In here. <laughs> and I would imagine that you can probably draw a direct line between the two, or at least you could make the case for that this morning. Oh, yeah. Were you like me? Did you I mean, were you fascinated with Star Wars? I mean, for us, episodes four, five and six, right from I mean, it came out in 77, the year that I was born. I mean, I grew up with it. I've always loved it. Uh, was that the same story for you? It, it absolutely is. I, I'm a child of 1989. So my introduction to Star Wars comes in the mid 90s with the re-release uh, in 1996, 1997 to VHS. Uh, and then I was a prequel kid. So my really like coming of age moment with Star Wars uh, was actually episodes two and three. That's when I could go to theaters on my own and see it with my friends. So, uh, yeah, during during the rise of the war on terror and the Patriot Act in the United States, that was kind of when I was uh, made aware of Star Wars and its interesting political themes. Well, for for the Star Wars enthusiasts, and, and like I said, the, the nerds and geeks like us, we're not going to have to convince anybody to stick around <laughs> and listen to you talk about storylines here because we know that we'll listen to that kind of stuff all the time. But kind of the point of your book, and, and one of the things that you quickly realize uh, once you get into it, is that you don't have to be a huge fan of Star Wars to find value in what you're putting out there. You don't have to work too hard to, to apply some of the principles or the themes of the, the Star Wars film. And, and that whole bigger story into real life. No, you don't have to try hard at all. In fact, almost every little league coach and swim coach and dad in America, Canada too, of course, uh, tells their kid do or uh, do or do not. There is no try. I mean, Star Wars is sort of baked into our culture when it comes to 
quick tips and advice and little bits of wisdom. Uh, and it's part of the culture. And that's a beautiful thing. But on the, the macro level, politics and society, I mean, you've got a guest coming on here after me to talk about mental health and talking to people about climate change. My mind immediately went to uh, Star Wars again, because that's what I do now, uh, with the Empire Strikes Back and this this idea that Luke has a vision of a bad thing in the future, right? He views a catastrophe in the future that Han and Leia are going to be captured by the Empire and suffer at the hands of Darth Vader. And he's really worried about that, you know, and I'm connecting this right to kids who today who are worried about a catastrophic future due to climate. Uh, and so he rushes to try to fix it, to stop this thing from happening. Yoda warned him, always in motion the future is. You cannot predict everything that's going to come down the pike. It might just be your fear that is implanting this into your mind, not actually a thing that is going to happen in reality. When I saw that in the movie, I actually listened. Like I, I applied that to my daily life as I was growing up and as an adult. Just because you ideate something that could happen doesn't mean it will. Hmm. You know, we we have uh, in our neck of the woods, the province Alberta, we're just above Montana and Idaho, and there's an election going on right now. It's going to be a fiercely fought election, uh, similar to American politics for the first time in a long time. It's basically a two horse race, two parties neck and neck, which is a little bit different than it's been in this part of Canada for quite some time. And as elections have gone, Stephen, in the States in Britain, in Canada, elsewhere in the world, fear is used as, as a tactic, as, as arguably the number one tactic in election campaigns, and it's been working. Uh, we've been talking about political strategy a lot on this show for obvious reasons. I think of like a campaign, the most obvious one that, that would contrast with that trend because it was one of the most iconic you know, election posters of all time. Of course, it's Barack Obama with the word hope underneath yeah. him we don't see a lot of politics like that anymore fear or conquering fear or being aware of fear is such a huge part of star wars isn't it oh it absolutely is fear is the root of all things that happen when characters drift towards the dark side fear uh leads to anger anger leads to hate Hate leads to suffering. And every single Star Wars character from Anakin Skywalker to Luke Skywalker to Rey in the sequel trilogy, they are faced with their own fears, their doubts. Uh, and that pushes them closer and closer to wanting to try to take control of things in life. I mentioned the Stoics and Marcus Aurelius earlier. And if there's one thing that connects straight from that philosophy to Star Wars is the idea put forward by Epictetus and then by Aurelius that Stoicism is basically the practice of separating that which you can control from that which you cannot control. In politics, it is a battle for what things you can control. Can you control viruses and public health? Can you control uh, what people teach at home to their children? Can you control people's spending habits and you know buying the kind of products that you wish they would buy? Um, we have debates in public life about what is the role of politics in governing people's behavior. And it seems to me that the most vicious things that happen in politics are when people overstep what they can actually control in their citizens. Uh, and our campaigns are getting more and more vicious as we fight for sort of like the Death Star controls mm. of politics. This is something I've written a whole lot about, actually, that the, the, the Empire had this theory of governing the galaxy, that the Death Star would maintain order through fear, is what Tarkin says in the original Star Wars movie. 
but it didn't work, did it? Like we all know that the Death Star is what rallied the rebels to defend their lives. That actually got the rebels all on the same page and they blew it up. The Death Star was an existential threat. Now think about politics. We exert control over other people through public policy. If you threaten people's lives, their livelihoods, bad things happen. Rallies, protests, riots. People will defend themselves if they feel like you've overreached your authority and desire to control them. So do you read, like, are you, am I picking up on sort of subtle or not so subtle COVID commentary here? I mean, like, did you over the past few years um, observing everything happening all around you? Uh, I mean, what about the January 6th assault on the Capitol? Mm-hmm. What about the Freedom Convoy across Canada, the occupation of our capital city, Ottawa? I mean, are you seeing sort of parallels or, or lines drawn from Star Wars to high profile examples like that of, of citizens pushing back, a lot of times incurring arrests and charges and and obviously life-changing impacts? Oh, yeah. I was working on uh, my book in a coffee shop as Joe Biden was being inaugurated. Uh, And this was right around the time of uh, the Capitol riot as well, Jan 6. And this was just a couple of weeks after that. So we were still reeling from that moment and Americans really being deeply afraid that democracy was in crisis. Of course, democracy is in crisis uh, in the Star Wars prequel trilogy, episode one, uh, one, two, and three as well. And you see that people in those films, main characters, they do undemocratic things in order to defend democracy from external threats. Oh, well, we have to have an army if we're going to defend democracy. Oh, well, we actually have to restrict civil liberties uh, in different forms of expression. We have to spend unlimited amounts of money in order to defend our democracy. Um, It's really interesting how from civilization to civilization and in our pop culture as well, people ruin and destroy democracy in their efforts to save it. Um, I remember when the the Freedom Convoy was happening, I did a little talk radio here in the States to to speak about it. Um, Because I just, I found the the overreach a little disturbing. You know, the idea that truckers and and people would rally uh, over this issue, right? And and their livelihoods. Uh, And then the response would be to then start tracking people's financial transactions and limiting people's ability to send money to each other through private apps. Uh, you know, since when do we use that on our citizens? We're supposed to use that on terrorists <laughs> abroad, right? Who are like wiring money from the Middle East to attack our homelands. Um, that's that's pretty insane, but this is where we've gotten in defense of our liberties. Although, yeah, hey, Johnny, throw up that last image again. On the on the flip side, you know, uh, conversely, here's a, a photo from the Freedom Convoy, and you look across the front, just a whole bunch of jerry cans filled with gas. And I, th- I think for some people, the concern was that people didn't know what was going to happen in downtown mm-hmm. Ottawa. People, you know, if, if, if you looked at it, I, I, I sometimes find myself saying, why don't, don't go here? Don't put it mm-hmm. like this. Don't <laughs> speak so plainly. But it, you know, the show's called Real Talk, so let's go. If those protesters looked a little bit different, uh, yeah. maybe if they followed a different religion, uh, maybe if they were wearing something different on their heads, I think having a bunch of people shut down a capital city for three weeks, uh, honking horns and, and causing a ruckus and bringing in who knows how many thousands of liters of combustible fluids, I think that people would have been more concerned. And so it, that that's always an interesting one. And the timing of this, the timing of yeah. you and I, I didn't know you and I were going to talk about this, about the Freedom Convoy. Happy to do it. 
pretty interesting because a high-profile shit disturber in our neck of the woods from a city just two hours, three hours south of us by the name of Arthur Pavlovsky convicted yesterday on charges relating to a Coots border blockade between Alberta and Montana where a bunch of weapons were seized and stuff like that. So this is still Mm -hmm. a very relevant, pertinent issue of interest to a lot of people. Yeah, and my mind was just drifting off towards uh, the idea that we've always got people like that in our our culture and in our neighborhoods and and our our neighbor and our communities we, we've always got kind of uh, radical types mm-hmm. uh, but Qui-Gon Jinn in episode one he says to Anakin Skywalker about his fears and the things that he's uh, afraid of he says your focus determines your reality uh, the things that you give your attention to are going to define who you are they're going to define how you see the world if you uh, get online and you peruse stories about political radicals and people hoarding guns and you know people wanting to uh, to kidnap the governor of Michigan I mean like you would think that this stuff is happening all the time, everywhere, and that, you know, we are in a huge state of crisis. Or it's possible that this has always been the case. We've always had people living on the fringes of society. It's just that you hear about it now. Like we hear about violence and muggings and killings in different neighborhoods. Someone gets, you know, stabbed in this county or another, and we're like, oh my God, crime is on the rise. But if you actually just were going about your life, dealing with your children, educating yourself, reading books, going to work, and not consuming all of this, you might actually just feel fine and unstressed and unworried. Your focus determines your reality. That's such a great point. Uh, can we dig into Anakin Skywalker? Uh, obviously, oh, yeah. uh, his, uh, what do you call it? Is, is, is it a descension into his, his evolution? Mm-hmm. What a de-evolu- whatever it is, I mean, ultimately into, you know, as I can say, I mean, I took a big swipe at Jar Jar Binks uh, before I introduced you here. Uh, let me, you know, throw a bouquet. <laughs> I think Darth Vader probably if not the greatest certainly one of the greatest villains in film history and 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 there's a a redemption arc there too which is super cool there's so much to talk about with anakin skywalker what's the real life application or what's the metaphor what do we learn as we look at present day reality so the thing that after jan 6 as i was working on this book and i was seeing how conservatives and libertarians were sort of falling over themselves in the United States to apologize for what happened on Jan 6. And this is coming, of course, after uh, civil unrest in American cities following the Black Lives Matter riots of of 2020. Um, You know, this is just a time where basically the left and the right here were both apologizing for their most violent factions, uh, tearing things up around the country. And Then I went back and I rewatched the prequels again, and I got to episode two, one of my least favorite Star Wars movies. It is what it is. But Anakin Skywalker is on a date with Padme, and they're talking politics, as one does. And she asks him what kind of form of government he would like, because he doesn't like politicians, is what he says. And he goes, I would like a system where the politicians sit down and discuss the issues and decide what is in the best interest of the people. Uh, wow. She goes, that's exactly what we do. The trouble is that people don't always agree. And so what does Anakin say in that moment? He kind of smirks and he goes, well, then they should be made to. (laughs) Who's going to make them? You? No, not me. Someone wise. (laughs) Uh, And she says, that sounds an awful lot like a dictatorship to me, to which he says, well, if it works. (laughs) <laughs> and that that right there, like as I'm watching all of this unrest in American politics and people tearing stuff up and everyone apologizing for them if they're on their side, 
right there, you need to understand that most people embrace democracy and this thing that we call liberalism if it is working for them, if their side is winning, if things are calm and safe and good. But when things are not good, a lot of people, I would argue way over 50%, uh, are actually quite happy to give the keys to the car to somebody who will fix it. Uh, that is what human beings do. You look at the course of human history, and it's mostly kings and emperors. Only in recent history have we said, uh, you know, actually, we would like elected leaders with limited terms. We are a blip on the radar uh, of this thing called democracy versus uh, versus having kings and queens. So mm. um, I do think that most people like are like Anakin Skywalker and that they go, you know, this system works. If it's working, <laughs> I love this. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, I don't know this person individually, but when we announced on Twitter yesterday that you were going to join us on the show, uh, the account Zupa Defat, big shout out to them. No Zoop for you, <laughs> they say. Uh, assert that on Twitter, the Jedi were the problem. Uh, they say, prove me wrong. Uh, is, is that fair? Do we have to take a closer look at the Jedi? So absolutely. The Jedi uh, basically what would be the word they tied themselves to the Republic and made their service to the light side of the force, a sort of matter of like defending democracy, the Jedi order and the Republic are two separate entities and the Jedi order made it their business to defend light and dark in the galaxy by using the Republic to do it. It's actually really crazy to me that when a war breaks out in the Star Wars prequels and they're afraid of a Sith Lord, the Jedi go, okay, well, we're going to be soldiers now and defend the Republic. If they were like monks, right? Like a religious, a religious organization, they would go, well, what happens happens. You know, it's not our job to settle this war for the Republic. It's a civil war. They'll figure it out. Uh, I actually do think that they are responsible for what goes wrong in the galaxy and they allow themselves to be the fall people for the dictator emperor palpatine who wants to paint them as the bad guys they make it very easy for him um you know we should be i think embracing the separation of church and state and religious organizations and the military uh in every culture in the world uh, and the jedi did not do that so they kind of deserved it <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, I know that so many people, we, we saw your rundown today. We saw what your itinerary looks like, and you're doing interviews uh, literally around the world, literally around the clock. We're grateful that you made time for us today. Stephen Kent, uh, you can find him online, the author of How the Force Can Fix the World. Uh, you can link to his Twitter from ours at Real Talk RJ. We announce all of our guests every single morning, and you can uh, check his, his website out at stephendkent.com. We'll have that in the show notes on the podcast and, of course, on the YouTube episode as well. Be well, my friend, and, and, and a happy May the 4th to you. This is the way. This is the way. I love it. That was great. I love that stuff. Amazing. That is amazing. I love it. We could, we could have dug into and and I appreciate that uh, that audience member, whoever they were, that reached out and said the Jedi were the problem. Prove me wrong, because mm -hmm. we always sort of look at the Jedi like, oh, I mean, they're the ones that are going to mm -hmm. save. They, they are the ones that have you know have tapped into the Force. And and there we go. Critical analysis. The, the show brings it, uh, regardless of context, every day. It's what we endeavor to do. Coming up in just a little bit, we're going to talk to, uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. John Whitten is a climate educator. He's an environmental educator with CPAWS. And this is part of our commitment to talking about mental health during mental health week we're talking about 
youth mental health, and I think it's going to be a great conversation. Wanted to let you know that today's a big day in part because Northwest Fest kicks off today. That's right. You can check out the full lineup online at northwestfest.ca, the International Documentary Festival, the longest running in Canada, and they're screening back-to-back with the Rainbow Visions Film Festival for the first time ever. This is super cool. For the next 10 days, it's Northwest Fest with more than two dozen feature films, all of them screening at the historic Metro Cinema. And this one... A big one tonight, May 4th, the opening night film, a huge one from Apple Original Films. It's still a Michael J. Fox movie, which blew audiences away at Sundance and South by Southwest this year. Easily one of the most entertaining, inspiring, and emotional films of the year. That's opening night tonight, northwestfest.ca. You can check out the full lineup online, get your tickets, and Real Talk Patreon supporters. Check your email inbox later today. There's a special incentive for you. We're sending you to the movies. Yeah, the studio audience loves that. Got a few <laughs> Patreon supporters in the back, John, topping up their lattes. How cool yesterday for us to have a chance to connect with the Monsma family. They own and operate, so proud to do so, Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. And they've got a big shout out to Real Talkers. They say that they've heard from so many of you in Calgary, in Edmonton, across central Alberta, that have heard about what they're doing right here on the show and you trust them not only with quality raw food for their dogs but also expert advice on your dog's health just check out their blog link at granddog.ca there's a new entry there how to manage your dog's weight with a raw food diet our dogs are here on planet earth already the the period of time it's already way too short Uh, why not keep that time as long as it can be live their lives to the fullest help them do it with a quality raw diet that can help with weight management. Don't forget the promo code REALTALK takes 10% off your first order delivered to your door if you order it from granddog.ca. John, you were dillying it up yesterday, I noticed, with a dairy-free dilly bar. Who could blame you? The weather's unbelievable outside. we're stocked up for early summer here. My parents are visiting from out of town. We got into the Buster Bars last night after dinner as we watched the Oilers lose. Made it, you know, a little less sour of a taste in our mouth because nothing hits like a Buster Bar. What are your plans for this Mother's Day? Why not give mom the sweetest gift? Mother's Day cakes are back and ready to make mom's day. Show your mom how much she means to you with a DQ Mother's Day cake. You can order them custom or just pop in store and pick one up at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and of course in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road. And before we get to our next guest, before we start talking about climate change, I wanted to let you know, of course, as well, that our friends at California Closets, this is the time of year where they're going to get busier than ever because people are starting to take those spring cleaning projects seriously. And for a lot of you, I know that means it's time to finally purge that garage and start fresh. The first move you should make is a visit to californiaclosets.ca. On the website, number one, you can request a free consultation, but you can also check out what they're doing with storage cabinets and workbenches. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about what California Closets can do in your living areas and your bedrooms like they did in our house, but custom-designed cabinets, drawers, shelves, and specialty racks can create a purposeful garage for efficiently storing tools, sports equipment, keepsakes, holiday decorations of course number one maintaining order and making your organization simple it's a whole 
house solution at California Closets, including the garage designs that nobody else is coming close to. You can learn more at californiaclosets.ca. How was the lunch yesterday with the Grand Dog folks? Man, they're just an, a really incredible family. It's a, it's a multi-generational family business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they talk about how, you know, a lot of times folks will place an order, but they'll, they'll add a question to it, like a question about their dog's health or could this sub, because Grand Dog's about more than, you know, we talk about like the, and this is, by the way, the, the advertisement's over. This is me just talking about, you know, we, this is what we feed our dogs. And it's, it's interesting to people, you know, we've had, we've fed our dogs done like bison, or you could do like a chicken mix, or you could do a beef mix or a cooked beef mix or what have you, tripe and fish. And they have all these different options, but they also mm-hmm. have things like supplements. Uh, they can help with joint pain as your dogs age, or they can help with even like some dogs experience anxiety. Like people know, like like if there's a huge yeah. thunderstorm outside, one of our pups, you know, Monroe, she's like the most brave, courageous lab you've ever met in your entire life. But if it's thun- if it's mm-hmm. booming outside, like she wants nothing to do with it. And there are kind of solutions for that. So it's neat to hear them talk about that. And and uh, they have a lot of love for the Real Talk family. They've got a lot of yeah. cus- a lot of customers that have come to them through Real Talk, which is great. Well, I was a little busy. I was going to come, but I was worried also that you might have to like taste or try the doggy moggy blend or something. Like well, that. I don't. I think it would be okay because here's it's just our newest. Like, uh... If you think about it, it's just raw meat. I don't think I don't know that they're going to appreciate us going here on this, but it, it's just raw meat. Yeah, like what's could it, be good. It could be fine. It's sashimi, right? Could it's, be amazing. It's uh, it's tartar. <laughs> anyway, we could do an ad campaign on that. How it's like the most affordable tartar. Yeah. I don't think they would appreciate. I don't think they want to go there. As our next they're going to call is... us. They're going to call us and say, "Can you guys wipe that last bit off the podcast, please? We've our, had enough of that." Our yeah. next guest, John, is laughing as we. Well, let's just get to him. Uh, John Whitten's been a teacher for a long time for like 25 years and now he's with canadian parks and wilderness society of course everybody knows that as c pause and he's here to talk about youth and climate change and environmental education but are but are you uh let's get some insight into your life right away are you a dog tartar. are you a dog guy or are you a tartar guy yeah oh we have a dog we have a cute little fluffy dog doesn't eat tartar no, no. you got him on the kibble yeah, yeah, vegetarian kibble. That's all the vet says we're allowed to feed her. Okay, well, well, there you go. It's so nice to have you on the show, John. This is uh, great to be here. Yeah, this is in follow up to um, a conversation that we had last week as as part of our Earth Day roundtable, um, how to save planet Earth, and people can go back in our archives and check it out. Uh, it was a really good conversation with three people that are doing different things, um, all in their own right to to try to help the planet. And one of our experts is a researcher at Athabasca University, and she's been, uh, you know, really endeavoring to understand the impact that the reality of climate change and talk about climate change and media coverage of climate change is having on young people. Um, that roundtable led us to you. This is your wheelhouse. Yeah, you might say that. I, I caught that interview and I was fascinated by it. Uh, Gina Martin, I think, from right. Athabasca U. And I learned, thanks to you, that her current research is looking at that question, is climate change hurting teen mental health? And uh, she said many things that agreed exactly with all the research I've done for my project. Uh, There was uh, the motivation. um, What did she say? Motivation and inspiration around things that other people are doing and that teens are looking for good information from trusted sources about what's happening uh, so both of these things feature prominently in my program, and I, so I was really excited. I want to connect with her. I've actually fired her an email, oh, so great. hopefully we'll 
we'll be able to connect. That's music to our ears. That's, that's part of the reason why we built a studio that's way bigger than it needs to be is because we're, <laughs> we, we, we're on a mission to connect people and create these opportunities for people to interact and, and, and deepen each other's understanding of, of important issues. And I mean, you're aware of a statistic. Um, it's Mental Health Week, by the way. I want to remind our audience mm-hmm. and, and recent research shows that four out of five Canadians, like 80% of Canadians between the ages of 16 and 25, so we can call them the the leaders of today and tomorrow. Um, they say that climate change impacts their overall mental health. Eighty percent. That's probably not a surprise to you. No. Um, in in building this program, I uh, well, it all started. Let me go back, Ryan, if you don't mind, to the beginning of it, which was in my public school time. Uh, I've just noticed kids getting more and more concerned, and moving kind of beyond concern to scared, really, uh, and whatever you attribute that fear to it's there and so we need to deal with it uh even our own children who are now in their mid-20s sometimes when we talk about it the blinders go on and you get that sense of well i didn't create this problem so how am i supposed to fix it it's way beyond what i can do so with that in mind i just felt like we needed to do something about this um climate anxiety i learned through my research is what it's technically called but uh, i did a ton of research around that and you mentioned some research. Uh, there's another study in 2021 where researchers spoke to 10,000 people in 10 countries between the ages of 16 and 25 to gauge how they were feeling about climate change. And the prevailing response was incredibly worried. 60% said they felt either very or extremely worried about climate change. And uh, the one that just stopped me in my tracks was 56% of them, Ryan, agreed with this. Humanity is doomed. That statement. I thought, wow, I've been scared about things before. You know, growing up in the 80s, we had the thing about nuclear war. There was that if you love your children video that was wonderful. But I've never felt like we were doomed. At 56% of kids saying we're doomed. That So I thought, okay, I think this gives me the green light to go ahead and develop this program. So that's that was the uh, the infancy of of what I did. I don't want to, I, I hesitate to ask you this question because I, I don't want to sort of immediately move to dismiss concern about the environment because we should be concerned about the environment and the impetus is upon us as, as individuals and as a society uh, to, I think, treat this planet responsibly uh, for a whole myriad of reasons. But do you believe that humanity is doomed? No, I don't. Uh, I feel that there's always hope. And uh, the the part of the program is it talks about the resiliency of the planet. Now we're testing it for sure, but it's a resilient place, um, and we are resilient as humans. So I think both of those things are really important to remember, so that we don't lose hope. I mean, if we lose hope, what's the point? Then, you know, crash and burn, forget about everything. I, I don't subscribe to that. So. I think it's important to keep hope. And in your last interview, I loved the last interview. That was, uh, <laughs> I mean, the theme in the films is so true. He brought that up. But um, I had another, uh, something I was going to mention when I uh, when I talked about that. But uh, Inter- Interrupt me when it occurs to you, because it yeah, will. It will okay. come back to you right uh, away. I'll come back to that, yeah. Yeah, so, so, you, so you developed this program. This is specifically for grade five and six kids. I got it. So I'm going to come back to that in a second. It. It's it's just the Star Wars. You know, I was in 1977 when the first one came out. I, I was in grade four or something. And uh, I I just love the uh, the escape 
you know, it took me somewhere else. And I think we all need to do that. We, 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 we can't just live in uh, concern and worry. I mean, we have to do those things sometimes about our finances or about the planet or about our neighbors or whatever we're concerned about. But I think we need to get away sometimes. And Star Wars offered that to us where we can escape to a different place. And then we can come back and be refreshed to deal with our realities. So that was another thing that occurred to me while you were talking to that guest. Never mind the themes in the movies, which are so, yeah, uh, they so parallel our lives. Well, see, Anyways, yeah, Stephen, back Kent, to your question. No, and hey, man, this whole show is built on musings and, you know, mm -hmm. all, all these sorts of things. Uh, like uh, he, when he talked about essentially, you know, what he said without saying is turn off your phone and go outside. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've had moments in my life, uh, of course, as I think most people have, where you just feel like the world is like and not just on fire, but in some cases that it's an inferno and that you're right in the middle of it. Uh, you can sometimes feel uh, despair or hopelessness, uh, anxiety, anger, uh, guilt. I mean, like a million things. And we've had these moments where it's like, and it sounds so simple. And I don't mean to oversimplify. This is not telling someone, for example, with like a, a mental health challenge to like walk it off. That's not what I'm saying. But I've realized, and I can think of specific examples in my life where literally going for a bike ride and listening to birds chirp like we did as kids. Uh, instead of a podcast, although everyone should always listen to Real Talk, of course. <laughs> but every once in a while, like like smelling honeysuckles and like listening to birds chirp and, and listening to the river flow and, and getting your sand between your toes, and like whatever it is, has this incredible impact uh, where you realize that that despite some of the things that are happening and swirling and storming around us, life does indeed go on and in many circumstances goes on uninterrupted. Yeah, and there's so many studies that prove uh, that getting out into nature is so healthy for us. It's so important for us to do, and a lot of movements so with uh, outdoor classrooms to outdoor schools where you know they spend 70, 80 percent of their time outside. And I think the the results of those is pretty compelling. Mm. I hesitate to talk about our own family members' journeys on the show a lot because it's like. You know, my seven-year-old has not, like, necessarily consented to having his life talked about all the time. Uh, but sometimes I think it's it's okay to provide some insights. And it's been incredible to to, to, to understand how his, his little mind works. And, you know, he, he's, you know, he, we, 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 you know, my wife drives a pretty nice vehicle. And, and we're driving around the other day. This is a while ago. I shared it on the show. And he, he goes, you know, Dad, I wish we didn't have this vehicle. I said, how come, buddy? He said, wow, just. It, it's using gas it's burning gas and, and I don't like the he says the smoke I don't like the smoke it's putting into the air and and I'm sort of like what he's saying is not wrong you know what I mean uh he's very conscious about what he's eating he's learning more about things he has these questions that are that are one part innocent and uh, the other part so intuitive um I'm so impressed with how his little mind works um, I'm sure that part of that is what he's learning in school and maybe what his friends talk about. Part of that is his power of observation. Um, what have you seen with regards to how kids thinking, uh, convictions, attitudes, behaviors have adapted over the, I don't know, 25, 30 years that you've been working in education? That's a great question. Uh, in terms of the environment, it's only been recently, of course, that it is sort of on kids' radar. But uh, like I said before, it is there now. And so we need to deal with it. Uh, I, uh, in my, one of my pilot programs, um, I did a bunch of audio interviews for CBC and, uh, one of them was just so striking. Um, a guy who was in grade five and he said, uh, 
you know, I love my dad. He's done so much, so many cool things with me in my life. Uh, and I would like to be that for children someday, but will I be able to be? What kind of world am I going to leave for my own kids? I thought, wow, this guy's in grade five and he's thinking this. And they haven't done a ton of stuff on climate change. As, as we went into the pilot program, it was pretty clear that they had a basic knowledge, but they didn't know a ton. So it's not like they've been hit over the head with it. It's just what is going around in society these days. And uh, the science that's coming out, it's pretty hard to hear sometimes for young people. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I love this, that, that Jillian is is uh, tuned in listening to us. She says that she, she's able to listen live right now because her students are working on an algebra test. So this is great. We know that, John, you're, John, you're, you're going, you're broadcasting into at least one Alberta classroom right now, which is amazing. Uh, but Jillian says one of the things that she's trying to do as an educator, she's trying to teach outside more. Uh, she says kids find it a little bit weird at first, but they adapt. I, I'm really just trying to get them off their phones and talking to each other, which I think is so great. At our little guy's school, they have big boulders that they've set out. The landscapers did it in a circle, and they call it the outdoor classroom. And it's something as simple as take. I know that that's not like this earth-shattering uh, type of uh, approach to education, but something small like that can go a long way, I would imagine, especially in subject matter like you're talking about. Oh, I think in any subject matter, and that's brilliant that she's trying to get outside more often. It's difficult for teachers because you're outside, there are noises, there are distractions, but that's part of the the deal. Uh, you know, there's so much to discover out there, and um, there's a big focus these days on on uh, discovery learning. And how, what better way than to get down on your hands and knees and look at what kind of bugs are crawling around in the ground? You don't see those in the classroom. Well, hopefully you don't. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on what school you go to, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't even laugh. For some people in some communities in Canada, they'll tell, tell me to, you know, whatever, buzz off. Um, John, I'm just going to come back to your question about um, how kids are feeling about it. One of the first things I always do when I'm bringing up a topic with kids is to figure out where they're at. You know, what do they know? What are their feelings and thoughts about that? So before I say a thing about climate change, I ask kids, uh, where where are you at? When you think of these words, climate change, what comes to mind? What feelings come to mind? And I get them to jot it down on a little uh, sticky note. And then it's fun to look at those later to see where they were to begin with. But then the other thing I do is I, I have a board, uh, like a bulletin board, let's say. And uh, on one side of it, I have not concerned in the least. And on the other side, it's it's like a spectrum that goes up to freaked out, losing sleep kind of thing. Yeah. And then they put their sticky on the board anonymously in terms of where they are with this concept of climate change. And it's a pretty even spread, I have to say. It leans a little bit more toward the freaked outside, but there are kids definitely who stick those stickies right on the far right-hand side where it's uh, it's scaring them. So it's interesting to see that coming into a class that hasn't discussed climate change much, that's I've gone into three different classes and the results have been very similar each time that that's where kids seem to lie a little bit to the right side of that a little bit more to the word the concerned side for sure with some kids lining up on the extremely concerned side which you know 10 15 years ago not not a chance you'd see that mm, yeah agreed are do you find differences in like if you're in an urban school or a rural school um do you find differences based on which school board you're visiting i mean do you notice those types of things unfortunately i've, I've not had that experience yet i've done three pilot pilots of this program in medicine hat schools. So that's the only data I have uh, to rely on is from medicine hat schools. And ultimately, what would be your goal to have this? Like, would you like to see this integrated into Alberta's curriculum or what, what would be the end goal here? 
Well, I think we'll see what the what the new science curriculum is. There's some hope for it, actually, surprisingly. Uh, but we'll see. That is where it needs to happen because you know, even going into pilot this program for free, uh, teachers say, you know, I can't spend a ton of time on it because it's not in the curriculum right now. And you know, teachers are so driven by what's in the curriculum fairly. So I think it does need to be in the curriculum. My hope is to, uh, I'm, uh, my next stage of this is to tidy it up into a lesson plan that can be taken by teachers and uh, put into one a one-day program or a two-week program, depending on how deep they want to go. You know, there are some, the basic idea of the program, if you'd like to hear, I Love can tell to. you how it. Well, and, and let, let me ask you this, and then, and yeah, then sure, you, you can present it, because essentially the question is, what should parents or what should caregivers tell their kids if their kids are experiencing anxiety around climate change? I mean, that's the takeaway from this whole conversation, Right. Right. Uh, I, in answer to that question, I would go back to your, um, your guest, Gina Martin, who said her research, the one thing that she said is that they're looking for good information from trusted sources about what's happening and what they can do. So that's what I really try to do through the program is there's a, there's a big emphasis on facts versus opinions, which is always important in school and is going to be more and more important as, you know, chat GPT and everything comes, uh, <laughs> grows we've really got to start to separate facts from opinions. You're talking about the election. It's that kind of stuff is used in elections and students need to know that it will be used to try to win their votes. So these kind of things are really important to emphasize fact versus opinion. Um, but to give kids sources of information, I think around here in rural, more rural Alberta, I think you'll hear a lot about, well, is it really happening? Is Although not so much in Medicine Hat, I've, I've found, so I'm impressed that it's not a question anymore because uh, there are a couple of tools, like one that I share with the kids is a, a map tool where you can look at any 10 by 10 kilometer grid of Alberta, uh, 10 by 10 segment of a grid of all of Alberta, and you can just look at the statistics over the last 70 years. So you want to know if temperature's gone up, click on your little zone and see if it has in your area. And, you know, generally you see that, yeah, it is the, the number of warm days per year, the number of uh, hottest day of the year, the hottest temperature, et cetera, et cetera. And it's supposed to be 31 degrees in Medicine Hat today. So good day to talk about this. Uh, so those factual tools that you can just use if people say, is it really happening? Well, go ahead and have a look at this. You look through it for 15 minutes and see what you think. You decide. That's basically what I say to the kids. Here, here are some sources. You decide whether they're, you know, valid look at them and then make your own decision. You must have kids talking like if, if, if I've observed anything and opportunities I've had on things like read in week or whatever to pop into a classroom and interact with, with young learners right around that age demographic that you're talking to the, they love to tell stories of, of how the principles you're discussing apply to their real life. And mm -hmm. so in this context, I mean, do you hear from students that are proudly telling you about, you know, their family put solar panels up, uh, probably and hopefully installed by Kubi Energy, but you know the family, <laughs> or or they're like doing recycling things, or they've planted a vegetable garden in the backyard, or they're, or they're, they've got a rain barrel and they're catching water, or like do you, do you get that a lot? Yeah, it, uh, that's also part of the the deal. We we talk about the the facts of climate change. Uh, we spend a few hours doing that and interactive kind of things, and then we move on to what can you do about it. Uh, you know what what we talk about can you solve this and the answer of course is no 
And then what can you do? And if you take a little step, does that help? And of course it does. So that's that's what I'm trying to impress upon them is that if they take little steps in the right direction, that they are contributing toward a solution. And again, back to the resilience of humanity and this planet. If we do that, I, th I think we're going to solve solve this problem. We're, we're a pretty amazing species, but we need to focus on it. So the, in the process of doing that, we talk about things that are happening around the school, around the city, around the province, around the country, the world. And so they get a chance to share that. And then they move on to their own project where they actually take a step towards something that will actually reduce CO2 in the atmosphere. And uh, and they have all kinds of brilliant ways of doing that. You know, one, one student in the last one talked about how far food came to their table. They tracked everything for one day. Um, another one interviewed uh, staff and leadership of the school to talk about what's this school doing and found out they have solar panels on their roof that oh, cool. some kids weren't aware of. So, you know, there's all kinds of things. And, and, and to me, then when they start to realize that people, including themselves, are taking these steps uh, in the local stage and on the world stage, they, I think, get some of that hope, some of that Star Wars hope, and they think, yeah, okay, we can do this. I don't have to close my eyes. I can take the blinders off and I can be a part of the solution. Yeah, 100%. I love it. Um, can we fill your bucket for a second? If you're just tuning in, listening on the live streaming Mixler audio app uh, presented by California Closets, we're talking to John Whitten. He's an environmental educator with CPAWS. Um, this is uh, Tracy says, I love the way that this guest can articulate or explain these concepts. He must be so motivational for these kids. Uh, Tracy's grateful that you're joining us this morning. And Lauren is calling you the Mr. Rogers of the environment. Is that the best compliment you've ever received? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> you need to next time That's you wonderful. come on, we'll have you come in down the steps. You could put on your inside shoes, <laughs> my sweater, put throw on your cardigan. That'd be great. <laughs> hey, let oh, me that's let, very, let that's me very kind. Yeah, now that now that we've now that we've uh, given you something sweet, let me let me throw something at you. We, we we threw a nice soft one at you, and now a fastball high and good, inside. Good. Um, you're here on behalf of a C Pause, and people can check right. out what C Pause does at, at cpause.org, uh, Canadian parks and wilderness society of course cpaws was a huge driving force in the lawn sign campaign uh what was that john i guess like 12 18 months ago uh if this is outside your wheelhouse just say so that's fine don't want to get you in hot water or anything like that but just want to pick your brain um cpaws sure. has as they've obviously the organization has been fierce advocates for the planet has done a lot of heavy lifting and environmental education and advocacy and all those types of things uh the team at cpaws obviously educators like you lobbyists fundraisers there's a ton of them um and they do good work it's one of the more prominent organizations in Canada on the subject matter of coal. And I'll just add the only the only nonprofit in Canada that's focused completely on uh, parks and wilderness areas. Oh, is that right? The only one that's that's focused solely yeah. on on wild spaces. Interesting stuff. So so you understand then why everybody, quite frankly, was so pissed off about coal mining and, and not that mm -hmm. it hadn't been happening for a while or exploration or leases being handed out um, in the eastern slopes of the Rockies. So we had, uh, you know, I mean, just what a beauty yesterday. Corb Lund with oh, us. In, I love like, listening to him talk. Man, that guy, Corb's like, and he's, can I even say, I don't think this is an underhanded compliment. He's even cooler off camera, like off camera. He's just, you know, these guys, they're a bit of a big deal. They come in and all they do is ask other people questions about them, take an interest in other people's lives. He's a guy right. like that. Right. Uh, but anyway, so, so he's, so he's really working hard. He doesn't have to do this, but he cares a great deal about the planet, about the old man river, about that whole watershed, about his family's ranch, about his kid's future. 
Um, and so he's trying to put coal and the environment back on folks' radar through the course of these next four weeks, this election campaign. What's, what's your assessment of just kind of where that's at right now? If you, if you look at polling, John, I hate to say it, but like the environment right now is not at the top of most people's list for election priorities right now, uh, which is kind of discouraging. But at the same time, I know there's a lot of competition at the top for people's attention. How are you processing everything that you're seeing going on right now? Yeah, I agree with that. I love I love that Corb simplifies it down to I drink the water from this river. So I don't want coal mining at the head of that water. I mean, it's so simple. That's what I say to kids. You know, do you want your water source to be have a mine right at the front of it? But anyways, yeah, I, I think, again, the little steps. Um, I noticed that we've got a, a debate coming up for our local candidates. And uh, so I looked into that and it's from the Chamber of Commerce, which, you know, they do a wonderful job of doing these uh, setting up these debates here, but then they represent the business community. So what do you do about that? Well, I just sent an email and said, you know, I know you represent business community. I appreciate that. But uh, business can't run if the environment is falling apart. So let's get a few questions in there about the environment if we can. And they responded and said, sure, we can do that. So uh, I think just trying to inject talk about these um, these important topics into the election it, it, the candidates and the leaders will listen to what we the people say hopefully so let's speak and tell them what we want them to talk about yeah absolutely I'm, I'm trying to find this really quick um you know as we're speaking i'm looking at this on the fly this was about a month ago um and and i interviewed uh the, the ceo of onion do you know Lori clark i don't know if you know she's twice been named to one of canada's 100 most powerful women and 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 she essentially this was this was kind of i love pulling like this and, and it was basically like is esg worth it like you know is a corporate or business commitment to like environmental social governance um like do people actually care about that? Do investors value it? Is it worth it on a company's bottom line to care about the environment and social issues, which is kind of a harsh way to ask it, but that's also how people would ask those types of questions in a business context, right? Around a share, you know, a board meeting or something like that. And she laid out, and people can check this out. Just just look for the Real Talk episode, What Makes Us Actually Care About Something. It was about a month ago with Lori Clark, CEO of Onion. And she argues that there is a great, a deal of bottom line benefit for companies and for-profit businesses to care about the environment. And uh, I was a little bit nervous about what her answer might be uh, when her team pitched us on the interview, but I, I thought that that was worth pointing out. You know, just there, there doesn't have to be these sort of parallel lines that meet in intersections and crash when you're talking about the environment and the economy. Right. Yeah. Uh, kudos to Johnny for getting a clip on that fast. How did you do that? Well, because I have the best technical producer in the business. <laughs> no kidding. I have the best technical producer in the business. So that's how it happens. Uh, so, yeah, we've got this election coming up and people are going to be asking those questions. I thought we got a pretty funny text yesterday from, uh, you know, Craig Snodgrass. He's the mayor of High River. And um, he, he was the one that had the famous quote. He came on here and uh, he, he, he said he went on the record and he said, I didn't vote for Jason Kenney last election. And I said, oh, boy, that's a that's a big thing for a mayor of a southern alberta town to say and and i said how come and, and he said well basically because I, I could tell that he was full of shit and uh that was like probably the best quote that we've ever had on real talk i think <laughs> the best one-liner uh it got turned into a gif uh but he said in yesterday in his text to us on coal when i was talking to corb um on mining and on coal exploration in the rockies he says the ndp says no uh the alberta party says no 
And the UCP says there's balance needed, which means we are definitely going to mine coal on the eastern slopes. <laughs> uh, that from the mayor of High River. So <laughs> to bring the point full circle, the next time that an audience member, anybody that hears this, is uh, attending a debate in person or is speaking with a candidate or a representative at their door, I would encourage them to take the opportunity to specifically ask about issues like this, to ask about specific policy, because parties know what that policy is right now. They're campaigning for your vote, and they should be able to answer those questions. Yeah, and almost any debate will involve some sort of question and answer period or submit your questions at the beginning. So submit questions about what you care about, and if it's the environment, get it in there. So it's part of the conversation. I mean, economy, we know, will always be part of the conversation. But I remember hearing, uh, I think it was David Suzuki once say, the economy is a creation of humans. So why are we slaves to it? I understand we need jobs. I don't question that at all. You know, in my presentation, we talk about the value of oil and gas and developing where, we, where we've come to in, in our society. But uh, do we become slaves to it? We need to be careful about, think, think that through at least. Thanks for getting us thinking. Thank you for equipping us with tools to talk to the young people in our lives uh, for whom we would do anything, um, include including some some lifestyle changes uh, to do our part, um, inspired by the work that you're doing at CPAWS, John. Really appreciate it. Before we go, I do understand yeah. that you are a big Gordon Lightfoot fan. Um, oh, yeah. And every single Canadian this week is either touring his catalog or talking about their favorite tunes, which is yours. Well, I uh, I don't think it's been mentioned yet. Edmund Fitzgerald is always compelling. It's Amazing, such a great yeah. a great thing. But uh, the one that hooked me when I was younger was uh, Don Quixote. You know, Whoa. through the woodland, through the valley comes a horseman, wild and free. I can hear my dad singing that on the car and road trip. So that one is my favorite. Oh, I love it. Nice throwback. I love that one. I've been I've been <laughs> honestly listening to nothing but Gordon Lightfoot for like three days now. So, and every cover of his songs of his tunes that I can find as it was well. amazing. Yeah, like I I uh, yeah. Anyway, I I I could go for like twenty minutes, but uh, you've been listening to like Johnny Cash cover uh, Gordon Lightfoot, which is like phenomenal. Um, uh, Diana Krall, Sarah McLachlan. Oh my gosh, uh, just amazing. So. Thanks yeah. for this, John. It's so nice to see Thanks you for on having the show. Me. Yeah, you got it, my man. You can check out more about what John and his team are doing by visiting them online at cpaws.org. Protect the environment at all costs. Yeah, man. Yeah. You got a you got a bit of a pretty cool drop off <laughs> yesterday from our friends at Friesen Brothers. I a, did, yeah. Hand delivered drop off. Some plant based pizzas. Yeah. Uh, from and I had no idea about this. I don't know if I. Well, I guess I could talk about it, but you know, their head of produce was like stolen away from planet organic which is now no more here i love it and he is just like he's an expert on vegetables and fruit and i always wondered that because we have just switched from save on i'll just say it we we used to go half freeze and half save on we usually go to freeze for the plant-based stuff and the veggies and we go to save on for the regular stuff but it it just the amount of like the yellow watermelon that comes in and the fiddleheads and he was telling me yesterday he's like oh next month we're gonna have these crazy raspberries from California or yeah. from wherever and he just he's trying to bring in things that excite people who are into fresh produce and yeah. it's like I love to see that I That's love to Dan. see someone excited and loving their job and like excited to hear 
people love what they do. And he then brought in those pink, uh, the pink pineapples last oh, year. You remember? Like it's just something different, you know. It's not, you go to the you go to the store. You always get you know apples, bananas, oranges, grapes, whatever. But to have you know something different all the time is just it just. Uh, Eat the rainbow, is I what was, my wife says. <laughs> I was like, I was sitting here at this table, and Dan, their produce director at Friesen, and you are just sitting there going off this like fast, fr- it was like an immediate friendship. Incredible. Uh, it didn't hurt that he brought you the big bird of vegan pizzas, which looks amazing. So the, here's the deal, folks, and you can check out more at Friesen.com. Uh, obviously, great friends of the show, 16 locations across the province of Alberta. They're taking baked pizzas. They're not frozen. No. They're, they're like fresh dough. Ready to go in the oven. Ready to go. You pick them up fresh. You you put them in your oven for like, you know, I like to do them a little bit less. I do mind it like it depends on your Same. oven, of course, but like 16 minutes is nothing worse than burning it. Yeah. Uh, but these are absolutely phenomenal. And vegan pizzas. How cool is that? With mm-hmm. the, What's it called again? The Beyond Pepperoni or whatever it's it is? It's the brand new Beyond Meat Pepperoni, which, yeah, because I always didn't like there's another brand. I didn't like it. But the, the Beyond Meat is. They're killing it. They are killing it. Well, their stock is down, but they just, I don't know how they do it. They make not. Don't worry about the stock right now, <laughs> unless they, you're holding the stock. Then, but then, they make, then pull out your earbuds and go for a walk like our guest <laughs> told us to do. I don't know how they make vegetables taste like meat, but they do uh, somehow. Also wanted to let you on May 13th and 14th, all Friesen Brothers Fresh Market stores hosting an all-you-can-eat Mother's Day brunch. 25 bucks per person for all the bells and whistles, everything you would expect. You can learn more on their website. That's Friesen.com. Hey, all this talk about saving the planet and... Business thriving. You, you want to know a company that's like nailing it on both fronts? It's Kubi Renewable Energy. You know we were going there. Kubi's hiring right now. If you're a, an electrician, uh, if you're a, an apprentice looking to become an electrician, if you work in sales, Kubi would love to hear from you online right now at kubienergy.ca. You can learn more about the projects that they're doing. Check out their blog for great resources on renewables in Canada. And then, of course, you can get a free quote as well. Kubi Energy proudly presenting positive reflections every Monday or the first show of every week here at Real Talk. If you have a story, something that made your day, something your kids said, something your grandparents said, something you read, something that occurred to you, we'd love to hear about it. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. Positive reflections presented by Kubi Renewable Energy. You know who else is hiring? Uh, we saw their team just the other day, Apex Automation. They said, just keep reminding real talkers if there are professional engineers that hear this, and sometimes it takes, John, just one. Sometimes if this mm-hmm. lands with just one person, a skilled professional, a professional engineer looking for a change of pace, Apex Automation is hiring. You can learn more about what they do in engineering, fabrication, and automation on their website, plus the careers link there, nice and easy, at apexautomation.ca. They're providing intuitive fully autonomous solutions to industry, giving people back their time with things like autonomous vehicles and machinery, advanced process controls, distributed control systems. If you know what I'm talking about, you know it's time to check out apexautomation.ca. Hey, if spring this year brings you a bit of a headache in the form of, you know, one of those big rainstorms, and if you've got a wonky foundation on your house, You know what that means. It means you're going to get some water in your basement. Make your first call Complete Care Restoration. You can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca or give them a shout at 780-454-0776. They've been doing business earning the trust of their clients and, of course, the insurance companies they work with. This business started in a garage, and it's grown into one of the biggest 
in the province of Alberta. You have a choice when it comes to who does the restoration work in an insurance claim. Make that choice on our recommendation, Complete Care Restoration. And if you're looking at reinventing your outdoor space this summer, our family is right now working with the team at Eden Landscaping to totally overhaul our backyard. We've been looking forward to it for a long time. We had ideas and pages ripped out of magazines. And uh, my wife, Carrie, had a Pinterest board going. And it's been amazing to see what Mike and his team have been doing with that. And, of course, all in the context of our budget as well. That's a reality for a whole lot of people. Eden Landscaping can bring your outdoor space to life and, of course, not just increase the value of your home, but the quality of life while you enjoy that space. You can find them online today. Make contact with their team. Get shovels in the ground sooner than you'd think by visiting landscapeedmonton.ca. And a big shout out to our friends at Local Environmental Services. John, our trash talk coming up tomorrow is an absolute banger. You can send us an email to <laughs> talk at riotjesperson.com. I know I left a couple of the emails on the printer the other I day. Saw. I saw them. They're like smoldering. I had to wait for them to cool down before I picked <laughs> them up. That's a good thing about an election. It gets everybody all fired up. Local Environmental Services, the reason why they support that promotion here on the show is because, of course, they understand that communities care. Communities care about who provides the service. Communities care about things like core values. That's what Local Environmental Services is all about. It's the bedrock upon which they're built, and it's what's led to their phenomenal success. If you're a decision maker in a business or in a community, you can check them out online today at localenvironmental.ca. Thank you for bringing up the uh, turning off your phone and going out into nature during your talk with John. That was... Something I really need to do more. I'm I'm kind of failing on that, Ryan. So to see that you're doing it is inspiring me. Like my wife all the time is like, I'm going for a walk. Come with me. And nine times out of 10, I'm like, I'm too busy, but I need two more because it. Well, you know, I, for me, I don't do it enough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you like, okay, so here, let, let me, let me get like, let me get real for a second. <laughs> John, let me get real. Um, I, you know, so our Moses, our dog, who's still with us and he's healthy and he's great and he's amazing and I love him. He's 11. Thank God. He's turning 11. And, uh, but I, I know that like the, the reality, I was saying in the grand dog ad earlier, like the dog, our dogs are on the planet. Our pets are on the planet for far too short of a period of time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so as Moses's walks get shorter and slower and he's more just, we call him sniffing safaris. He's out on his sniffing safaris. <laughs> um, I've always had my AirPods in. I've always had my earbuds in Mm -hmm. and i've always used that time to listen to podcasts Mm -hmm. and to to learn more about politics or to get context on guests that are coming on it's that's kind of my protected time Mm -hmm. where i'm out and i'm listening to a podcast but i've thought that it takes me i'm I'm still physically present with moses but i'm kind of not necessarily like mentally present with there you know i'm not there because we're not talking to each other, obviously. It's always been a one-way conversation, me and Moses. He's the strong, silent type, John. And so recently, I've actually been leaving the AirPods out. Yeah. I've been leaving my headphones out, and I just talk to him a little bit, mm-hmm. and I just listen to him breathe, 
and we just walk in silence together. And it's honestly, I've only been doing it for a couple weeks, but it's making an immediate impact. And it's such a small little tweak. And there's research on it. I mean, it's called, the, the word for it is called nature bathing. And it's when you're around uh, na- nature, trees, land, water, and animals. And I actually had a chance. I went up to Orangeville on our week off into cottage country near Hockley. And I went to another tech guru guy I knew. And he's like, hey, I'm going to do audio for this guy, Dr. Greg Wells. He's putting on a keynote speech. He's a physiologist. He's a five times best-selling author. And he's talking about brain waves. And so there's gamma, peak, and delta is like the lowest when you're asleep. And theta is right above delta. And theta is like you get into this relaxed state. And that's when you nature bathe. And your creativity comes out and ideation and relaxation. And apparently it's when you get out into nature, it's all the abstract shapes. Like we're so confined to offices and square things. Mm-hmm. And uh, being in theta mode, your theta brainwave pattern is like one of the most optimum places to like. So like when you're like, oh my gosh, I have this problem at work. I have to get on my laptop. I have to figure it out. He says, no, go for a walk. Go outside for five, 10 minutes. Guarantee an idea will come to you. Don't stress your brain out. Don't put yourself into beta or gamma uh, brainwave mode on purpose, right? So, I really, I really, I, I was inspired by you because I really got to start doing that. My yeah. wife, she every day she goes for three walks a day. Is that right? Hey, oh, she's outside all the time, and she's she's happier for it. So, well, and it's not like we're not saying anything necessarily profound here in the sense <laughs> of like what we're talking to is almost like a return to values that we used to hold, right? Like I saw people in our live chat today as we're talking about going outside, getting fresh air, like putting down your phone and be like, you mean, you mean like we used to, you know, you mean like, I mean, I remember, you know, as kids and our story is not unique in any way. I mean, this is most kids, but you know, you'd be like, sort of like, see you at supper time. Yeah. And you know, we backed onto this ravine in Calgary called Fish Creek Park. We'd ride our bikes down in the park. We'd go to the soccer field and, and I get that things change. And I get that, you know, some parents are more aware of things that are legitimate concerns around safety and security and all that type of stuff. And, you know, we also didn't ever wear bike helmets and nobody wore seatbelts in the backseat. Parents parents smoked with the windows rolled up in the cars. I mean, like we have learned some things, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, the the fact that we treat it as profound now that someone will will, um, you know, set their phone to like, you know, turn notifications off Mm -hmm. for certain times a day or they won't answer phone calls after, you know, the the fact that um, we're so available and so accessible now. Isn't it funny that like if someone that you do business with, if you email them at like, you know, 930 at night and and you don't hear back from them within an hour, you're kind of like, what's up? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's totally ridiculous. Yeah. And Dr. Greg Wells, amazing. You guys got to look him up. I gave you his business card because it's business cards. Amazing. Full metal jacket. It's like this. this We got to get him on the show. I asked him after he said, I would love to come on. He he was also saying like people always put things. There's three things important to people. It's it's health, family and work. But they put it the opposite way. They put it work. And then they're like, as soon as they're done work, I have to hang out with my family and then I'll deal with my health later. He's like, you got to flip it. Health is first. You got to get outside. You got to treat your brain, your heart health first. And then you can be good to your family. And then you're around longer. You're healthier. You're there for them. And put work last. And it would just like, it triggered something in me. I was like, I have to talk to Ryan about this. But the number one thing he said was nature bathing. You have to do it three to four times a week. You just go outside for 10 minutes, turn everything off, leave your phone at mm-hmm. home, and just be around 
animals. Like you said, birds chirping. Remember when Wes Bauman joined us in the studio? What was it? A couple months ago. People can find it in the archives. Ice Weasel Weasley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and just to talk about the cold plunge and what different people do yeah. to, to sort of like, you know, rejig or get their, you know, get their their mindset or, mm-hmm. you know, or their, their thought process or the emotions or or the chemicals in the right place. And so that's great. that's for your brain. Dr. Greg Wells also saying that. So cold for your brain. Yeah. So cold plunges and heat for your heart. So wow. he talks about like saunas. It's a stressful situation you put yourself in, but it, it's good for your heart. It teaches your heart to be strong. So well, I don't think we need it. You just we need up this the whole, guy. On. You just summed up the I'm whole thing. I'm telling you. And you know what? This is like this is such a this is such a an insight into exactly what you're talking about because you did give me his card. I'm holding it. If you're seeing this on YouTube, you're seeing the card right now. It's crazy. It's like steel etched, and it's like, like how much know, do a hundred of those cost? Oh man, this card's got to be. <laughs> three bucks i mean i it's got to be and uh the the first you say you should get this guy and he's great and then what was my first thought my first thought is where do you get his card i need to get cards like this i need i was like oh yeah well and 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 i'm sure he has a valuable message i threw it at you and you're like you could (laughs) have it looked like a throwing star (laughs) taking my eye out (laughs) coming up on tomorrow's real talk we're really looking forward to this check this out this is the new issue of edify magazine this is uh a celebration of innovation the art of innovation it's the may issue of edify and we're going to be welcoming three innovators that are going to blow your mind inspire you i guarantee on tomorrow's real talk roundtable plus we're going to talk to a filmmaker i'm so excited about this only in theaters on friday's episode of real talk we hope you'll join us of course trash talk too we'll see you then Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Roar. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.